based in the, in the data we've seen, if companies actually embrace bringing purpose in, into the company, you will have less burnout. You will have more engagement. You will have that retention you're all seeking. You'll have more profitability in the end. Welcome to the follow-up from Premier Speakers Bureau, featuring in-depth conversations with the world's most in-demand keynote speakers. Our guest today is Jen Lim. She is the creator of Zappos Culture Book and CEO and Chief Happiness Officer of Delivering Happiness. And she's also the best-selling author of both Delivering Happiness and Beyond Happiness. And now she's gone from Beyond Happiness to the Beyond Speaking Podcast. So it's a perfect <laughs> fit. So Jen, thank you so much for coming on and being part of our podcast. Thank you. So good to be here. And I was picking up on that too, double-double Beyond thing. So that's kind of cool. I know. Well, it's a great word. I love it. And the whole reason why we do it is because, you know, speaking is what we do as a business. But the idea of this is to kind of get to know speakers beyond just what's on the on, you know, just the promotional thing of here's your speech topics and here are these bullet points to get into like who people actually are. So to kind of start that off, like, mm -hmm. how did you get into happiness? Like, I know some speakers we have and we're a lot of speakers. Some speakers get into a topic because they're really passionate about it and then they want to share with others and other people are just absolutely horrible at it. They had to study it like crazy and then they told other people about it. So where do you kind of fall into that when it comes to happiness? Yeah, that was, um, I mean, I'm chasing back because it it's uh, super ironic that I'm in the happiness space because I was not <laughs> by any means that happy-go-lucky kid growing up in school. I was like, <laughs> if anything, um, on the brooding, uh, cynical, existential questions, why am I here side? <laughs> um, I don't know which generation you are, but I grew up with like the cure and Depeche Mode, like the old school stuff. Yeah, yeah, yeah. The top 40 stuff, but you know. Yeah. No, uh, I, I fit into that too. Yeah. Yeah. So, so yeah, it was just, I think because of that though, I wasn't necessarily searching for my happiness per se. I was searching for why, <laughs> the whys yeah. in life. Um, and I think through that curiosity and that journey of going through the lows really got me thinking about what does this all mean? And, and just personally, like, I went through a series of lows that I didn't anticipate. Like I got basically spit out by the dot-com, got laid off, uh, first.com, uh, 9-11 happened. And my dad was diagnosed with stage three colon cancer, all like within the same year. And I realized all the things that I was you know, prioritizing in, that was supposed to be success in life, the like money, title, status, didn't mean that really mean that much at all, especially after losing it, you were getting laid off and then almost, you know, coming to uh, mortality with my dad and he eventually passed away a few years later. So that really set me on this journey to understand, you know, what is this all for? And that's how uh, Tony Shea, the, the late CEO of Zappos, and I kind of stumbled on things that were eye-opening in science of happiness and positive psychology. And it's like, wow, there's actually studies that have been done to really answer these questions. And so I got really geeky about that <laughs> and wanted to understand, not from an academic point of view, which was basically what we've been reading, but how do you actually make this real, you know, in, in real life and especially in workplaces? So, so that's what, when Zappos started being its own petri dish and, and experimenting with all these concepts of scientific happiness in the workplace, and then I guess in some ways the rest is history. That's that's where happiness came from, but it really came from my 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 darkest moments. 
Yeah, and so what what made it happiness? It seems like there are a lot of things, especially when you come into a lab type environment where you're going through and experimenting and all these different things. What made you land on happiness as opposed to something else that was like the core item? Yeah, I think it's largely because the things that I was particularly geeking out on, and Tony, was the fact that there was science behind happiness and specifically happiness and positive psychology speaking towards optimism and gratitude and happiness. Mm-hmm. And I think at the end of the day, we could, you know, could have said something else like joy or, you know, whatever you want to call it, uh, well-being. Um, but I think because happiness is so universal in the sense, every culture in the world has their own you know, concept or definition is very subjective. It changes all the time, but at least it's a word that people knows, you know, and they're familiar with. And, and what else do we want to be besides happy and make sure the people we love are happy. So I think that's how it came down to happiness. So when you bring somebody in the first time and you're introducing this concept to them, so you've just hired somebody for director of whatever, or, or whatever, how do you say, okay, this is how we want to help make you happy or what's that process of mm-hmm. going because so many people come in and like I'm really good at this customer service thing or I'm programming or whatever it might be. Mm-hmm. How do you bridge the gap from those hard skills things to to this? Well, we basically twist their arm until they say yes. <laughs> <laughs> that makes you happy. I don't know. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> that's been the most effective way. No, um, we do the opposite of that actually because like there's just no way you can make someone happy. Uh, it's really based on what they choose for themselves. So for those that, you know, especially when we first started this, there was so many naysayers of like, oh, that's cute. You know, that's, that'll never happen where I work. And I, you know, I got fired up. I felt challenged, like, no, it can, you know, this (laughs) happiness does belong in the workplace. You're you're spending most of your waking hours there if you're working. And, you know, why would you want to do it uh, with people you don't like and with, you know, in, in a job you don't like? So I think, for me, um, the biggest thing keeps on going back to, even for the biggest naysayers, is making it about them. It's not being a mechanic, it's being the mirror. So it's like showing that that this stuff that we're talking about is actually about your livelihood, your well-being, your, you know, your minutes on this earth that, that you want to spend most meaningfully. And of course, for us, purpose is a huge thing because from the science, having a higher purpose for a company or an individual is actually the most sustainable form of happiness. Like the least sustainable is pleasure, which is what you're binging on Netflix or, you know, what are you drinking this night tonight for happy hour? Those are important, but they just go up and they go down in terms of our happiness. So I think once we put it uh, in, in, a, in a framework that they're understanding, oh, this is about me, how I can show up, how I can be as good as I can to show up for for myself first, and then for people at work, and therefore, you know, profits and productivity and engagement, um, then they see it as a more interconnected way of looking at happiness. How do you help people find their purpose? Yeah, so there's just, you know, umpteen journeys to get to that. And some people have found it in, um, you know, doing the metaphorical hike up a mountain, and they're like, wow, this is what I'm here for. And some people are just like, I have no freaking clue. Like, how do I even start? So we try to keep it simple and practical. Um, and if you don't even have a purpose, one of the things like when we go into like a workshop or, or a company is that we use this simple exercise to align everyone on what 
a potential definition of purpose can be. So it's just three simple questions around number one, um, what is what is your light? So what lights you up? Like what fires you up in a good way with passion uh, or what pisses you off? Like that could be a light too. So answering that, what is your light? What lights you? Um, the second one is talent. That one's pretty obvious. Like what am I talented in? What are my natural born abilities, but also understanding what other people are asking you to do without even, you know, soliciting it because they can see there's something special about what you do in X, Y, and Z. And then the last one is impact. So essentially, like, how do you want to impact? Not necessarily the world, because that's like, you know, I'm going to change the world. No. How do you impact your world? Like who you're touching in your ecosystem? So when we ask those three questions, People answer like just, you know, very undauntingly off the cuff. They get to see what this purpose statement can be about and start formulating. What am I doing every day that's aligned or not aligned with it? So that's one of the one of the exercises we do with our with our clients to help them along. One of the things I think, too, with purpose that goes along with that is how things have changed. So um, in looking over the past two years or so, uh, you know, how that has changed and become even more important. Like it's hard to uh, just gut through things with everything we've been through in the past two years. Mm-hmm. Um, how have been, how have people with happiness being sort of emotional or mental aspect of things, how has that changed that you've seen over the past two years? Short answer is 180. <laughs> Everyone did 180. The world did a 180 and we all got 2020 the whole world. Like we knew these things were coming, like futurists had predicted, yes, we're going to have a recession. Yes, we're going to have a pandemic. Yes, we're going to have climate change and social unrest. What we did not know is that it was going to happen all in one year. <laughs> so that's what hit us like a, like, a, as a t- like, like a ton of bricks. And we went in different directions. But I think one thing that um, really, I guess, I observed there's some people that just wanted to get back to the good old days. And there's some people that just said, no, the good old days are never going to happen again. So I'm going to take it upon myself to understand who I am now, what's most important to me, how can I prioritize that? So we're seeing from, you know, everyone's been talking about the great resignation, of course, but we were seeing also a great reawakening or a great reimagining, great re you know, like, put any reword you can think of in there and it's being said. So from a more, I mean, realistic, but opto-realistic perspective, I'm seeing that shift in people and people are quitting, people are getting laid off, tough times are tough, but just the, the concept and the thought that we're intentionally putting into why am I here? What is this all for? How am I going to spend my time more meaningfully? is being done, you know, in, in this intentional conscious way. So I think we're still in it, you know, we're still in tough times. It's like this week, even more news of layoffs and, and, uh, you know, hiring freezes, Google hiring freeze, you know, that's big stuff going on. But the fact that we're all like with the consciousness, being able to double down on what's most important. I think that's the most optimistic thing I've seen so far. How can companies, play how should companies play a role in purpose and what are ways they should not try to play a role in someone's purpose Mm, that's a great one so i think companies now have an even bigger obligation to really talk about you know have exercises 
work in purpose from an individual level than ever before. And so what I mean by that is that for a while now, a lot of companies like, hey, we need a purpose statement. Let's do it. You know, and, and some are very sincere about it, like Airbnb belonging is a big part of theirs. And, and you know, some companies are really rising to that challenge of making it real. Um, I don't say obligation because we all just want to be good humanitarians. I mean, yes, but this is also based in the, in the data we've seen. If companies actually embrace bringing purpose in, into the company, you will have less burnout. You will have more engagement. You will have that retention you're all seeking. You'll have more profitability in the end. So I think the biggest way we could do it is just like, talk about it and ask what their purpose is as individuals, not just in their role, you know, not just as a customer service rep or sales or in their life. Mm -hmm. And if you brought in that conversation to that, you'll see the results, um, both as a good humanitarian, but also they just want to be there because you care. So that's yeah. where I would start. Yeah. And that's one of those things where it's, it's the fine line, like you, you hear from managers or some that they, um, they almost are afraid to talk about things like purpose or mental health. You mm -hmm. know, if they're not a professional, how can somebody who's a non-professional, maybe they're a professional what they do, but not a, a purpose professional or a mental health professional, uh, yeah. but they're trying to adapt to this thing where businesses aren't just a paycheck. Um, mm -hmm. You know, and that's one of those things that I, I'm curious to know of where, where they should go and where they shouldn't. Yeah, totally. Um, so I think number one is acknowledging that we're not all experts on purpose or mental health, but we can all acknowledge as leaders that it exists. So number one, what I think has been most effective is when we as leaders just ask questions and actively listen, what is really going on? Mm -hmm. Provide that psychological safety, you know, just being able to say, yeah, if I'm, I'm having a bad day for these reasons. Can I get help? And just that acknowledgement makes a huge difference in people's like mentality of where they, you know, um, where they're at and how they feel supported or belong. Um, what not to do is to pretend you're going to solve it. <laughs> you know, like just being able to say, "Look, I'm here to help as a support," um, but I know there are professionals out there. So, if, for example, companies like uh, Microsoft, they're actually hiring people in. Um, and actually enabling and empowering their people to their leaders or managers to feel like they can help coach. I'm not an expert, but I can coach. Other companies are bringing third, third parties to say, this is a professional coach. It's not about work. It's about you. Mm -hmm. And then you can see the openness and conversation and basically everyone having their lane in, in a positive way. I like that. And um, I, I know one of you, you, you mentioned a little bit about having some of those processes. Can you tell us about, um, sort of your, um, uh, you know, the greenhouse and sort of the format that you use as you're, as you're helping people through that. Yeah. So we've been talking about the, the greenhouse um, model and something I introduced in, in Beyond Happiness. And I just did not know how much it would be resonating because of all that's happened. And the metaphor is really closely, you know, it's analogous to the whole flying on a plane, oxygen mask drops, put it on yourself first, even though it's super counterintuitive. But I like the greenhouse metaphor better because when you're on a plane, the oxygen mask comes down, usually it means you're, you might be going like for yeah, a nosedive pretty soon. That's, the, <laughs> that's not the most optimistic way to look at life. But if we can see ourselves as basically trying to build our own greenhouse and leaders 
trying to build other greenhouses together, it's like, then how can we grow together? So we've been using that model even before 2020 and the build in beyond happiness was the greenhouse metaphor. It was like, not just about happiness anymore. It's beyond it because it's about not just our ups, it's our downs too. It's about our mental health. It's like getting real about what burnout is and how do I address it? So yeah, it's been super cool to see if you mind me saying you can flourish. <laughs> hey, we're all we're open to all kinds of stuff there. I love the, I love the analogy uh, of 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 people just taking this concept in, and it's been pretty awesome to see. Now I know there's a lot to it, and you just mentioned burnout. What are maybe not the entire thing, but a couple of ways that people can deal with burnout? With burnout, uh, I think well, being having that sense of psychological safety not only applies to uh, other people, but within yourself. So getting real internally about what is most important to you. And that's going again to the sense of purpose or sense of values, sense of like, how do I want to spend my moments? When you have that and you can be grounded in it, even though there's chaos still swirling in the air, at least you can tell yourself, well, I am burnt out. And the reason is because I'm probably not spending time enough time on the things that means the most important things to me in my life. So then you can set your boundaries in, in a way that, you know, if it's a conversation with a colleague or a conversation with a boss, at least you're able to, you know, be really clear as to what needs to happen for yourself in order to help, you know, the team and the company grow too. Yeah, I love it. That's uh, I mean, that's one way. I don't know if you ever heard the uh, Haitian proverb, uh, sack plane, like an open sack, like an empty sack can't mm. stand up by itself. Like you have to fill yourself and then you can help others. So I, I love that uh, analogy. So uh, and this one is uh, your team sent me this. Like, how do you live your core life values at work and in life? My purpose and values like I, you know, obviously spent a lot of time on this, but my values are. um and, and there's an exercise that we do. It's called the happiness heartbeats. So basically for me, it's authenticity, freedom, and relationships. And knowing those three things, it helps me really be able to even literally look at my calendar and say, am I doing these things today? Um, that's kind of like a really broad brush, but it's with this whole greenhouse metaphor, like I've been adopting it for myself and really trying to understand how can I grow and just be really receptive to with a beginner's mindset, do different things. Like I, I went to this seven day meditation retreat, which I'd never done before. I meditated for like five hours at 4am in the morning. And that to me was like, yeah, every, my, all my friends were like, what the heck's going on with you? Like <laughs> <laughs> I was just open to something new. And now meditation is a, a practice within my days because I know what it can do. So I guess I just keep on using myself as a petri dish <laughs> to understand what it might be that I can do to, you know, to grow and have new habits every day. Yeah. And I, I mean, I love it. You've got to challenge yourself and you've got to actually do the things you're telling other people to do. So I, I like the, the fact that you're, you're doing that. Um, Thanks. And drinking, so, drinking, we call it drinking our own champagne. <laughs> yes. Yes. Very good. Well, you'll have to thank your team for that question. Um, and then uh, how do you feel like, uh, what is the future of work looking like and how is it affecting people? Whoosh. Future of work, future of work. So my firm belief is that we thought the future of work 2020 BC before COVID, we thought it was like always off. 
maybe year two, five, 10, what 2020 did was just brought it into now. So the future of work is actually in, we're in it, we're in the thick of it already. We can't think about it as when it comes. So I think that part of it, you know, whether it's remote or hybrid or automation or you reskilling, you know, all these things, these, these are important to address, but um, they're just symptoms or outcomes of things that were already happening. So to be real with the future of work, knowing that it's present now is really uh, goes back to grounding ourselves and companies as teams, as leaders, and using that as the foundation of being able to adapt to anything that can come our way because we know we're grounded in ourselves. Well, one thing I did before we end here, and this is just, I know normally that the, the uh, interview is all about the person, but this is something, just my own personal testimonial for people listening, watching. Um, I actually took uh, years ago, my daughter's in high school, but I actually started coaching her when she was a little seven-year-old in softball. Nice. And the week or two before I started being my first time being a coach ever for little kids was I had gotten like this bullet point thing from, I think it was Tony's assistant or somebody of happiness at work. And I said, I wonder if this works for softball. And mm -hmm. so it was stuff like, do you have a best friend? Are you able to see progress? Uh, do you get regular encouragement? So we actually built all these things into the softball program because they say, well, like with little kids, if they play the next year, then you're a successful coach. Like if they end up loving softball mm -hmm. and uh, to this day, like this summer, I went around and so many of these girls that I coached when they were seven, eight, nine, ten, are still playing high school ball, travel ball, everything else. And no they way. still remember a lot of those things that we put in with um like can you throw it from first to second okay can you throw it from shortstop to first can you throw it to and then like we had um we would call it ap's accountability partners so these girls would encourage wow. each other and that was designated person that you were the first person to say congrats or to pick them up when they messed up and um after at the end of practice we'd go around and what did she do well today what did she do well today so we built in all this zappo stuff no way coaching little girls softball and uh, it's been great to see because we had so many girls that loved it, so many that are still playing. And so I did want to say I'd, I'd hope to get an interview with, with Tony and, before, and was never able to. So I just want to say thank you to you and all the Zappos people for helping me out and helping all these little girls out too. So appreciate it. That's awesome. Thanks for sharing that. Um, look at you. I mean, you were essentially growing greenhouses before the metaphor came up. So thanks for sharing <laughs> that. It's so cool. Awesome. Well, Jen, thank you so much for coming on and being a part of this uh, podcast. And thank you. thank you for helping people, um, you know, grow and develop and, and uh, you know, see happiness across the U.S. and around the world. So thank you so much. Thank you, Brian. So good to be here. Thank you for joining us for the follow-up. To learn more about today's guest, go to premierspeakers.com. Make sure to subscribe and leave a review wherever you listen.